Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. It's great to have you all with us this morning. Uh, obviously, this is a, a holiday week for a lot of us, and so it's great to see you remain committed to being in God's house at the start of the week. I'm not going to lie, at about 5 to 11, I was beginning to wonder if there was another lockdown that had been announced that I hadn't been made aware of, but great to see you all here today. And obviously, we're trying to reach all communities here at R8, so regardless of your own particular views, can I just welcome and, and give a warm celebration and warm welcome to anyone who's going to be celebrating on Tuesday for Amazon Prime Day, regardless of your views on online shopping. I hope they have the discounts you're after. So I want to begin with a question this morning. Have any of you experienced any discontentment recently? Do you ever find yourself ruminating on things from the past? This morning, we're going to be looking at how we can live with contentment in the present and look forward to that glorious future that God's promised us rather than looking past, back at the past with regret. Now, I've done a bit of studying around the field of education, master's degree actually, but because I like to be humble and not brag, I'll not dwell on how I got a distinction last week. And one of the things that they, they teach you is that you always need to tell your audience what you're going to tell them before you tell them it. So here's the roadmap for this morning. I want to look at something that can easily paralyze us and prevent us from experiencing contentment. I want to explore why looking back can be harmful, and I want to finish by suggesting a better way. So with that plan in mind, let's jump into God's Word, because that's way more significant than any of my thoughts, right? So why don't we pray before I begin? Father God, we just give this next 30 minutes over to you. Pray that you would speak through my words. Pray that you would give us ears to hear and that your will would be done. Pray that for each person here, that they would be able to hear what you want to say to them, and that you would speak into each of our circumstances this morning. Amen. So there's a couple of verses I want to share from Isaiah 43 that are going to serve as an anchor for our thoughts this morning. So if you have a Bible with you or on your phone, why don't you turn with me to Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So if you're taking notes this morning, the, the title I've given this morning's message is Don't Look Back. And if you're of the vintage when you remember there being decent music in the charts, you can give it the full title of Don't Look Back in Anger. So whenever I got married, my mom decided as a wedding gift that she would make a scrapbook of all the different photos and memories of my life up to that point. My mom is a bit of a hoarder, so she had hundreds of photos and mementos of every family holiday and every special occasion and managed to get it all into a scrapbook. And because I'm not really one for looking back at photos of myself, I had it stuffed down the side of the sofa out of sight until recently when my daughter Ada found it. And she now enjoys looking through the pictures and pointing to daddy, although sometimes it's actually my own dad that she's pointing to. And to my disappointment, her favorite page to look at is the engagement page when she gets to look at pictures of her mummy. So I've actually scanned in a few pages to show you. So guys at the back, if you could put up the first page. So that's the, the cover page. And then if we move on to the baby page. Ah, it worked fine on Windows. Don't use Mac, guys. Maybe we could try the second one of me going to school for the first day. <laughs> Don't know what's gone wrong there. We'll, we'll just have to move on past that, I guess. 
So in the verses that I read out, God encourages us not to dwell on the past, to forget the former things. And I know what you might be thinking. That sounds nice, but it's impossible. We can't help but look back to our past. Even last night, knowing I was going to be speaking about this this morning, I was lying in bed ruminating over a work shift from two years ago randomly. I have a couple of English friends who are forever harping back to 1966 for some reason. This week in our country, there's going to be lots of people looking back to the past. I'm a psychiatrist, and if it was easy for us not to think about our past, I would have significantly less patience. So for the sake of my workday, if you could share this message with your friends, that would be greatly appreciated. I don't have any quick, easy solutions for living out this instruction from God. But what I know is it can be harmful to dwell on our past, and we must take seriously God's instruction not to. So let's dig a little deeper into that anchor text. It's important whenever sharing a short passage from the Bible to give a bit of context, because if you take the text away from the context, you can very easily be left with a con. So what's going on in these verses? They come from an extended monologue from Isaiah chapter 40 to 44 that Hannah actually read a part of as well during the worship, and she, I don't imagine, knew that I was going to be speaking on this unless she managed to, to break into my house and read notes. So if that's not a sign that God definitely wants us in this passage this morning, I don't know what is. But this monologue, it's, it's a serious thumb workout if you're trying to scroll through it all in the Bible app. But it was written by the prophet Isaiah, but it's actually God speaking directly to his people. It's full of these incredible promises from God, like the one that Hannah read out, reminders of God's faithfulness and his greatness. But I'm not going to be able to go through five chapters in one message, even if we do have a bit of extra time from there being no evening service, because my parents have invited us over for roast dinner today, so we do need to wrap up. But before you get too relaxed, you should be aware that my mum never has dinner ready before too, so we've got some time to play with them. But here's the Cliff Notes summary of the context. You see, the Israelites at this time are living in exile in Babylon. Through the prophet Isaiah, God's giving them this message of comfort and encouragement. He's reminding them that he remains faithful despite their circumstances. And he reminds them that because he's with them, even though things may seem bleak, they don't need to fear. God reminds them that even though it may feel like they're going through deep water and through fire, he's still with them, protecting them, loving them, and viewing them as precious in his sight. God uses Isaiah to remind the people that he will deliver them from their exile in Babylon and enables them to return to their homeland. And God also gives a rebuke to the people, pointing out to them that in their exile in Babylon, they'd forgotten to worship him. Now, obviously, we aren't in exile in Babylon. We haven't been dragged from our homeland in chains. We haven't been made to assimilate into Babylonian culture. But I believe we are all in exile because I believe earth isn't our home. If we're followers of Jesus, our citizenship is in heaven, so we can relate to the people of Israel, living in exile in a foreign land full of customs and cultures that go against the will of God. So I believe we can take the promises from this larger passage of the book of Isaiah, and in particular the lessons from the verses we're honed in on this morning, and apply them to our own lives, to our own set of circumstances. So let's break down those verses in a bit more detail. Firstly, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. So let's be really clear. This passage is not against all remembrance. If you look at the full chapter, the verses that come just before are a reminder of God's faithfulness in bringing the people out of slavery in Egypt. So I'm not saying you need to go home and immediately burn all your old family photos, although there are a few photos in my mom's house of when she decided that it would be a good idea to have a family photo with me and my brothers all in matching double denim that definitely could do with being burnt. 
There is a healthy form of remembrance that we should celebrate, especially whenever it stirs us to worship and praise God for what he's done in and through us and the journey that he's brought us on. But all too often, there can be this unhealthy preoccupation we have with the past. In the original context for the people of Israel living in captivity, the temptation for them was to look back on what they'd lost when they were taken away from their homeland and to give up hope and to give up on God. God doesn't want us to dwell on our past, on what we've done or what's been done to us. He wants us to dwell on him, what he's done for us and what he's doing now. We should remember all that God's done for us. We should remember and celebrate the transformation that he's brought about in our lives. But the important thing is that the focus of our remembrance is on what God has done, not on what we've done. God wants us to take the focus off of our circumstances and put it onto his grace towards us. So then the next part, see I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? So that's why God doesn't want us to dwell on the past, because he's not restrained to the past. Our God is living and active, working in the present. When we dwell only on the past, it blinds us to the new thing that God wants to do today in the here and now. It can stop us from noticing and appreciating all the good things that God is doing today. We worship an unchanging God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but he does new things. The message of the gospel never changes, but the methods do. We need to be expectant that God will move in new ways, using new methods as the time changes. We should be innovators, always seeking to use new technology to grow in our own faith, but also to help others encounter Jesus for themselves. And then it goes on to say, I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So I had a bit of a look at the original Hebrew that this passage was first written in. And interestingly, the word used for wasteland is a Hebrew word, lurk-can, from which we get our English word, lurgan. That, that was a joke, by the way, before we get any complaints. That, that's not an actual Hebrew word. As Pastor Phil has told us many times, the Hebrew language has significantly more words than English, but even they don't have adequate words to describe the air of gloom that radiates around Lurgan. But in all seriousness, before I get barred from ever setting in Lurgan again, just in case it improves in the future, what this verse tells us is that no matter how hopeless the circumstances, God can make a way. No matter how barren, no matter how dry, no matter how seemingly lifeless, God can bring hope and life. He is the way-making God. It's a reminder to not give up, no matter what our past looks like, no matter how bleak our present circumstances may seem. It's a reminder to not despise when we find ourselves in those wildernesses and wastelands. You see, we're not promised that the Christian life will be one free of wildernesses and wastelands, but we are promised that when we're in the wildernesses and the wastelands, God will be with us, making a way. God promises to bring streams to the wasteland, and we see the ultimate fulfillment of that promise in Jesus. He's the living water who came to us while we were far from God, living in our own wildernesses and wastelands. He came to do a new thing, to give us a hope and a future. He came to redeem our past, to restore us to a relationship with God. So maybe you're feeling this morning that you're in a hopeless situation. Maybe you feel in the wasteland of a dead-end job or stuck in the wilderness with no sense or idea of what God wants you to do with your life. I want to encourage you this morning that our God is the way-making God. He's faithful to his promises. There's hope even if you can't see it yet, so don't give up. So let's take a moment this morning to think about someone who's famous for looking back. Why don't you turn with me to Genesis chapter 19? I want to share three observations from the life of Lot's wife with you. So quick backstory. Lot lived in this town called Sodom, 
there were two angels that came to visit the town. Lot invited them into his house. People in the town heard about this. They wanted to do some pretty wicked stuff that we can't get into in a, in a morning service. In fact, it's probably too wild even for an evening service. There was a punishment for the city. It was to be destroyed. But first of all, the angels warn Lot and his family to allow them to escape. So we pick up in Genesis 19, verses 15 to 17. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, Flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you'll be swept away. So there's a lot going on in that chapter. It's a difficult chapter. It raises a lot of questions, questions that I don't have all the answers for. And I'm not going to try and unpack everything in that passage. I just want to hone in on one aspect, that same instruction that we saw in the anchor text, don't look back. So my first observation this morning is that there are harmful and bad ways of looking back. Obviously, in the case of Lot's wife, God explicitly instructed them not to look back. And we've seen for us as well that through that message that God gave Isaiah, that we've been instructed not to dwell on our past. I think there are at least four ways that we can be guilty of, looking, of ignoring that instruction. We can look back with resentment for things done to hurt us. We can look back with resentment at relationships that have blown up or at people who've cheated us out of money or a promotion. For some of us sitting here today, there's going to be some horrendous things that have been done to us, things that have happened in our past that still cause us pain today. Choosing not to look back at what happened with resentment is not easy. But we can remember and take heart that Jesus himself knows what it's like to be betrayed. He's walked in our shoes, and he promises that one day he's going to wipe away every tear. When we've been hurt, it's easy to dwell on the past, to ruminate, and to get angry and bitter towards that person. But the problem is, those emotions only break us down. Our anger and bitterness isn't going to change the other person's behavior. All it does is poison our own thoughts. Choosing not to look back isn't the same as letting someone off scot-free. You can choose not to dwell on the past, but it doesn't mean you necessarily let that person back into your life. It doesn't necessarily mean that there doesn't have to be legal or relationship consequences for the perpetrator. But we don't need to carry that hurt around with us any longer if we've surrendered it over to Jesus. We can also look back with regret on things that we've done. The devil will often try to get us to do this, to try to get us to disqualify ourselves from God's grace and his plans for us. But if we've put our hope in Jesus, the glorious truth that Ryan so powerfully reminded us of last week is that every wrong that we've done in the past has been redeemed. Jesus paid the price in full, as we sang about at Calvary, and now our sin is cast as far as the east is from the west. Those things from our past that we regret, the sins, the mistakes, the failures, they've been paid for in full by Jesus' death, and that's good news. Who needs to be reminded of that this morning? Jesus has paid the price for our past regrets. We don't need to look back at them any longer. We can leave them at the cross. We can also look back with remorse for things that we've given up to follow Jesus, feeling that we're now missing out. Maybe there's some activities that you used to enjoy before you became a Christian that every now and again you get tempted to go back to just one more time for all time's sake, except it's never just one more time, is it? The devil feeds us that same lie that he's used since the Garden of Eden, trying to convince us that God puts rules in place 
to restrict us rather than to lovingly protect us. But when we come to Jesus, we become a new creation, and we need to make a total break with the sinful past, with no looking back. As Christians, we can easily slip into looking back on what we've given up to follow Jesus. We can look back on all the Sunday mornings that we could have been sleeping in bed rather than sleeping through a sermon. Yeah, I can, I can see you from up here. We can look back on the time that we've given up to volunteer at Serve Day or the money that we've invested in kingdom causes, in tithes and offerings rather than a new car. But as the missionary Jim Elliott put it, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. I want to remind you this morning that there's a far greater treasure awaiting us in heaven. And the last way that we can look back harmfully is with restlessness, longing for the good old days. It could be that you're longing for the good old days when filling up your car with petrol costs less than your monthly mortgage payments, or when butter was affordable. Maybe you're looking back to the good old days when politics was dull. It could be that you're looking back longingly to the pre-COVID times when we didn't have to stick swabs up our nose to go on holidays. Or maybe you're more of an introvert like me and you're more tempted to look back longingly to those glorious lockdown days when we were able to avoid people guilt-free, staying home and reading to our heart's content. Or maybe you find yourself longing for the better times when you were younger, had less gray hairs, and the world was a better place. Spoiler alert, it probably wasn't better then. Indeed, the good old days of my childhood that I was looking back to, there's probably a few people here, not naming any names, but Joe, who was well past looking back to the good old days by that time. Everyone's good old days are a different time, which suggests that there really wasn't a good old day. In fact, it says in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 10, Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. You see, this was an issue for the Israelites in exile. They were looking back to the good old days of Jerusalem, but God was doing a new thing. God knew that the former days weren't really better, because in the former days for the Israelites, they'd actually turned away from God, and that's why they were taken into exile in the first place. God wanted them to stop looking back to the past, and to start looking at the present, to what he was doing in the here and now. You see, in the midst of their exile, God instructed them to seek the welfare of the city that they find themselves in now, to build houses, plant gardens, and get married. God didn't want them just looking back to the former days. He wanted them to make a difference in the present. And it can be tempting for us to look back to the former days, but we don't live in the past. We live in the present, and we worship the living God, whose plans and purposes for us now. Looking back at the, the former days can hinder us in the present. So we need to stop constantly making these comparisons back to how things were pre-COVID or when we were younger. Those days are now gone. We need to press into the new thing that God wants to do in this season. So as we move on to the second observation, let's pick up the story of Lot again. Turning again to Genesis 19, we pick up in verse 24. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, destroying all those living in the cities, and also the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. So my second observation is that there's a harm that comes from looking back. It says in some translations that Lot's wife was behind him as she looked back. She was lingering, dawdling rather than fleeing from Sodom. She was trying to hold on to her old way of life. And it can be the same for us too, can't it? We can find ourselves drifting back and settling into past habits and old company, looking back and eventually giving up completely on God. Now, being turned into a pillar of salt probably isn't going to happen to us, but looking back can paralyze us. 
we may not try to do something that God's calling us to because we look back at past failures. Looking back can allow bitterness to well up within us. It can blind us to the new thing that God wants to do today through us. A big harm of looking back is that it can rob us of present contentment. There's so much discontentment in the world around us today, and a big cause of that is that we keep looking back to the past, to how things used to be, focusing on what we had rather than what we have. We could start to second guess. Maybe I shouldn't have left that job. Maybe I should get back with that ex. We become consumed with regaining a time in our life when we think that things were better. But that's not how God wants us to live. You see, true contentment doesn't come from our present circumstances, but from our relationship with Jesus. Fulfillment's never going to come from having the perfect friendship or the perfect job or the perfect house, which is a big relief to me because it takes the pressure off me to get my garage cleared out. My wife's constantly pointing out various DIY jobs that I should be doing to improve the house. But the good news this morning is that getting your house sorted or your lawn perfect isn't what brings fulfillment. Sorry, Phil. Our fulfillment comes from the hope that we have in Jesus. We also see from the example of Lot's wife that there's a very real danger to us if we keep looking back and keep on living life our own way rather than God's way. You see, whilst looking back to the past can have a significant impact on our present, it can also have a huge impact on our eternity. God doesn't want us to just believe and ask for forgiveness, then carry on living just the way we always did, but with a few extra worship songs on our Spotify playlist. God wants us to turn from the former ways, to put them behind us and not dwell on them any longer. You see, what starts with a glance to the past can very quickly lead to longings for the former way of life and eventually be followed gradually and increasingly by believing that God's requirements are too demanding, they're not necessary for today, and suddenly we find ourselves back in bondage to the same pattern of sin we were in before we came to, to give our life to Jesus. So now that I've spent so long covering the ways we can look back and why looking back can be so harmful. How about some good news? It's all very well giving a diagnosis and explaining the problem, but it's all meaningless unless there's a solution. And so the final observation is the good news. There is a better way. Jesus gives us the example. We're instructed in Philippians 2, verses 5 to 8, to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, Jesus had so many opportunities to look back. He could have stayed in heaven. He didn't have to come down to earth. And when he got to that stable in Bethlehem, with all the mess of animals around him as he was laid in the manger, he could have begun to look back with regret. As he cried out in the Garden of Gethsemane, he could have so easily looked back with restlessness to the good old days of being worshipped by angels in heaven. As the Roman soldiers drove those nails into his hands, Jesus could so easily have looked back with resentment at the sinful lives we lived that led him to that cross. But Jesus didn't look back at the glory of heaven. He looked forward and stepped down to the humility of life on earth. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured that cross. And he gives us the example of facing opposition, suffering and hardship. He faced that temptation to dwell in the past. And Jesus endured, showing us that it's possible not to grow weary or lose heart. He shows us that it's possible to look forward and not back. And because he endured, we now know that our past is redeemed and we have the promise of a future in heaven with him forever. I don't know if any of you have ever tried to break a bad habit. 
I used to be in a really bad pattern of always having sweets in my car that I would eat on the way home from work. And at one stage I decided it probably wasn't best for my teeth or my waistline, so I should probably try and stop. So on my weekly Tesco shop, I didn't buy any sweets and then set off on my regular commute to and from work. And that first day driving home, I got hungry, so I pulled into the petrol station and bought a packet of sweets. And that happened for a few weeks before I came up with a better solution. I went to Tesco's and I got a bag of cashew nuts, so then I had something healthier to eat on my drive home. And that was going well until recently I was in Tesco's and now they want £3.60 for a bag of cashew nuts. And I decided I valued a healthy bank balance over a healthy body. You see, the way to break a bad habit is to replace it with something better. It says in Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We're not going to overcome the tendency to look back and dwell on the former things by just resolving not to do it anymore, but rather by instead choosing to look upward, fixing our eyes on Jesus, with our hearts focused on God's love, looking to him rather than looking to our past. You see, we can't fix our eyes on two things at once. We have to get our eyes off of our past and onto Jesus. Jesus is our example that it's possible. And through the Holy Spirit at work in us, we have the promise that we have that same power at work in us to help, to help us not look back. You see, looking back can lead to bitterness, and the fruit of that is anger, loathing, and vengeful thoughts. But when we look forward with our eyes fixed on Jesus, then the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of fruit I want in my life. God wants to heal everything that hurts us, but first of all, we have to let it go. We need to surrender the pain from our past to him. Now hear me carefully this morning if you do have traumas in your past that you're struggling with, if you have wounds from stuff that has happened to you in the past. I'm not just saying that we need to just forget it and carry on. What I'm saying is that we need to cast those burdens over to Jesus and find the rest that comes from surrendering our past to him, trusting that glorious promise that one day God will make every wrong that's happened to us right. We need to stop living in the past because God wants us to focus on what's ahead of us. So as we start to bring things to a close this morning, here's the big takeaway message. If you forget everything else I say, remember this next sentence. No matter what's in your past, if you've placed your trust in Jesus, then your future is secure. You see, Jesus has paid the price on the cross and blotted out all of our sins, so we get to enjoy eternity with him. Our past is no longer our identity. The shameful things we've done and the evils done to us no longer define us. When we put our trust in Jesus, we become a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. We're no longer defined by what was done to us, by the mistakes we made or the pain that we carry. We receive new resurrection life and our identity becomes loved sons and daughters of God. We've been given a hope and a future. So if you've placed your faith in Jesus, he's paid that price to redeem your past. You don't need to dwell on it any longer. The old is gone, so don't look back. And we need to remind ourselves of that truth every day. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves daily, not just relying on a Sunday refill, but reminding ourselves of all that Jesus has done for us each and every day. And whenever the devil tries to bring up our past to discourage us, we need to remind him of his future. Now, I know what you may be thinking. You don't know what's in my past. If you knew the things in my past, you wouldn't be saying that God could love me. And you're right, I don't know what's in your past. 
but I believe God does. You see, it tells us in Psalm 139 that before you were born, God had written every single day of our life in a book. Before he came to earth to die on the cross, Jesus knew what each of us would do. He knew how we would reject him, how we would mess up. He knows our past, and he still has grace and mercy for us. You see, there's nothing in your past that could shock or surprise God. Indeed, if you look through the Bible at some of the people God used, from the drunkard Noah, to the adulterer David, to the incestuous Judah, to the murderer Paul, we very quickly see that our past is irrelevant to God. He can still give us a hope and a future, no matter what's there. No matter what's in your past, you can't outsin the grace of God. There's simply an invite to come and receive grace. Stop letting our past allow us to become oblivious to that new thing that God wants to do today. Even if it feels like you're in a wilderness or a wasteland, we can trust that our God is still making a way. The fact that you're in church this morning proves that God hasn't given up on you yet. So let's resolve today to leave the past in the past. You see, contentment has very little to do with our circumstances and everything to do with our relationship with Jesus. In him, we can let the past go. In him, we can live contentedly in the present. And in him, we can look forward to a glorious future. So let's get practical. Given all that I've covered this morning, what do we need to do in light of it? Well, the first thing to make clear is we can't do this by ourselves. But the good news is we don't have to. We have the help of the Holy Spirit. So there's a couple of ways you may need to respond this morning. Maybe there's stuff in your past that you need to stop looking back at. Maybe there's a painful memory you need to stop dwelling on. And today, you need to ask the Holy Spirit for help with that. Or it could be that there's sinful habits that keep re-emerging. And today is the day that you need to resolve with the Holy Spirit's help to finally step away from it and never look back. Or maybe today you've never actually looked to Jesus and today you want to fix your eyes on him for the first time. For many of us, prayer is going to be a big part of how we need to respond. I want to encourage you to continue to mull over what I've shared and to spend some time later in prayer, to surrender and lay down anything from your past that you need to stop looking to, and to ask the Holy Spirit to help you fix your eyes on Jesus. But I also want to encourage you that you don't have to do this alone. We have a great prayer team here who'll be waiting at the back during the final song, ready to pray with you and support you. And if there are significant traumas in your past, I would also encourage you that one of the great gifts God has given us is he's given people the gift of counseling. There's absolutely no shame in seeking out wise counsel to process events from your past. You see, trained counselors are able to help you process your past in a healthy way rather than just continuing to dwell on what's happened. It's a great way to get support and to be able to live with contentment in the present. It's not a sign of weakness or a lack of faith. There's various options out there, both within the health system and private Christian counsellors. So if that's something that you think might be helpful for you, do explore that and talk to one of the team here today if you want more guidance. And a final action that may be helpful is to be intentional about reminding yourself of the promises of God. You see, we have this hope that we don't need to dwell on the past because God has promised to cast it as far as the east is from the west. So when the enemy tries to get in your head and tries to get you looking back, the way we fight back is with the word of God. We see it with Jesus when he was tempted in the desert. He used the promises from the Bible to silence the devil, and we need to do the same. So that means getting into the Bible so we actually know the promises that God has for us. It looks like doing our daily bread devotionals. It looks like noting down the promises that resonate with you and maybe even memorizing some of them so that you have them to hand, ready for whenever Satan tempts you to look back in despair. And instead, look up to Jesus, who's made an end to all our sin. 
Because the sinless Savior died, our sinful past has been forgiven and we need no longer look back. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.